God had spoken to me about what I felt would really underpin our year together as a church. And my prayer was that it would also underpin your life as an individual, that this year God had given me a verse rather than a phrase. And I mentioned last week that I like phrases, but God gave me a verse. I'm sure he just messes with me. Proverbs 3, verse 3 to 6 was the verse. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I felt strongly that these two verses would really help set the course and the sense of being missional for us as a church. And it would help us to win favor in two realms. And it was something that really struck my heart as I was reading this verse pre-Christmas and God caused it to stand out to me that we were never designed to win favor in one realm, just with God. Though we love the idea of having the favor of God and we should want to attract the favor of God, but we should also look for the favor of people. The sight of God and man. Notice the phrase, in the sight of. In the sight of. In other words, your love and faithfulness will be seen and will grab the attention of God and people. In other words, your, your love and faithfulness won't go under the radar. It won't be missed. It will be seen. It's in the sight of God and of man. This will give believers the platform in which we're able to help people understand the why behind our actions. If you're going to love people and be faithful, don't you want them to ask you why? If they're asking you why, it's because there's something different about your life. Therefore, why becomes an important question that we would have people ask of us. Because your care and your compassion and your kindness and the way you serve people and the way you treat people and the words that come out of your mouth are different to what they see day to day. Because of love and faithfulness, people want to know what is going on in your life because they will notice it and they will see it. It said, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. It's to see that it's important. And it's to set it in stone. In other words, it's concrete in our lives. It's not a good idea. Love and faithfulness is not a maybe I'll do it. No, it's it's to set in stone. It's to be important as the part of the follower of Jesus' life, that we would be a people who would love him and be faithful. I said it this way. Let your consistent, uncompromising love keep showing up in people's lives day after day. Consistent and uncompromising compromising. Now, you may be here today and feeling, as you hear me go on about loving people, is you might be saying, well, I don't even really like people. And now you're asking me to love them. Listen, Carl, I battle with even liking some people. So how on earth am I going to go to, from liking them to loving them? The Bible did not say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and like your neighbor as yourself. Aren't you glad it didn't say that? It said, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me. If you like every person in your world, you're a freak. That's just true. It would be unusual for you to come across people and say, I like every person I've ever met in my life. Nobody rubs me up the wrong way. I'll tell you what, if that's your life, 
then we're praying that God would bring someone across your path that would teach you something of patience in your life. You're not going to like every person that you come across. You're not expected to. But you are called to love people. See, love takes you beyond the place of liking someone. Because love is not a feeling. Love for people cannot just be manufactured. My love becomes consistent and uncompromising, and it comes out of a relationship with God. There's no other way. It's my proximity to God. It's my ability to live in a relationship with Him, to know the love of God that will overflow out of my life. That's how I know I can love people. I can't make it up. But it doesn't say I'll like everybody, but God calls me to love everybody. The only way that that is humanly possible is that my life is full of the love of God, proximity to His love that comes from time spent with Him, gives me a deepening love for others. As followers of God, our giving of love and the expression of it is actually pretty important to God. Have you realized that? If God mandated our love to be given to one another, it's pretty important to Him. Like it's not low on His priority list. It's not, I want to bless you first. It's not, his priority is not that you'd be successful even in business as the number one. Though you think about the prayers and the kinds of things we pray in our relationship with God. Think about the invitation that we give to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis in our lives. I, I don't know how many of us are praying prayers like, help me love people more. I invite you, Lord, to develop your love for people in and through my life, yet it's the number one priority of God. Listen to John 13, verse 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? It's pretty clear, is it not? They'll know by the way in which you love one another. As I grow in my relationship with God as a follower of Jesus, the expression of my discipleship is love for God and the things that matter to Him. And on the top of His list, I've already said it, is people. God loves people. John three sixteen tells us that. He loves the world. So it should be the priority of every follower of Jesus. So this year as a church... Let's determine to allow our lives to overflow with an expression of love for people. Let's not just speak about love. Let's act in love. Now, let me just speak to the men in the room for a minute. I don't do this very often, but I want to single out the men just for a moment. Won't be all men, be some men. You may be sitting here listening to this and think, why, does, why is my pastor so flippin' soppy and soft and continually speaking about love stuff. How come? Some of the women are laughing, actually. Can I just say this? The expression of the kind of love I'm talking about is not soft. It's strong. It's courageous. It's bold. It should be led in expression by strong, confident, God-fearing men. Compassion and care for people that leads to action, being taken to help someone in need, to be consistent and uncompromised in one sacrifice for others. Putting others ahead of ourselves is not soft or weak. It's strong 
and brave in the face of a culture where, where it says, put yourself first. Put yourself first. It's about you getting ahead. Advance your own life before you worry about someone else's life. Look, it's not soft to put someone else first. It's strength. It's a courage. It's bold. It says, I understand who my God is. He put people first. I'll put people first. Have I got any friends still? Oh, John is my friend and my wife still likes me. You like and love me. That's good. Love and faithfulness is what will get the attention of people and it's not soft. It costs us something. It can be a challenge for us. It's a nice phrase. It sounds good in preaching. But to put people ahead of ourselves is not easy. It is a challenge. And it can only come out of the overflow of a relationship with God, an intimate, close, and loving relationship with Him. And it takes strength. All right, move on. The next verse in Proverbs is the one that I felt God really had highlighted for me this year. And that was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. This word trust, to put one's complete dependence on God or take refuge in Him. In the midst of whatever you go through, whatever you're facing, whatever you have to walk through that that you don't know yet that you're going to walk through, you've got to take refuge in God. When we take refuge in Him, we throw our dependence upon Him. We trust in Him completely. Now, I don't know how your brain works. I don't even know how mine works, to be totally honest, but however, when God says to me, trust me this year, and that's the word I'm giving life, church, trust me this year, my brain goes, why? I already know to trust you. Why are you re-emphasizing trust in me this year? What's coming that I don't know about? I don't know how your brain works, but sitting in my study, I'm going, oh God, why? What is it, the reason we're going to have to trust in you? And I felt God strongly re-emphasize. I mean, it hasn't changed, right? Every single year, it's the same. We've got to have a trust relationship with God. But I felt as I was sitting in my study this, that, that day, I'd been listening to all the, the politics of the world and suicide statistics and a whole lot of things that had entered my world that had concerned me and worried me, I felt God re-emphasize for his church. Trust in me with all your heart. It does not matter what your natural eyes will see. I am still in control. God is in control. So we need to trust him. And I felt that a strong emphasis on that. But here's the cool thing. I'm going to segue into something I needed to segue into for my own life. It's not always tragedy or difficulties that we need to trust God in the midst of. So I'm not prophesying doom and gloom ahead for us, but possibly some God opportunities that we need to trust Him in the midst of. See, God can open doors of opportunity for you and does so, particularly for those who live out the mandate to love people and be faithful. But sometimes those doorways of opportunity can also seem a little intimidating and have a large amount of uncertainty attached to them. Maybe you don't understand what I mean. Maybe it's a doorway of blessing. Unless you trust God and walk through it, out of fear of the unknown, 
or the unfamiliar or the uncertainty of what it might mean or because of self-doubt or because of insecurity or because of spoken words over your life, you won't take the opportunity that God presents before you. Like perhaps God opens a doorway of opportunity for a promotion at work. And when this opportunity comes, you feel unqualified, not fit for the role. And in that moment, you need to move beyond trusting in your own abilities to trusting in God completely. Let me just speak on this personally and try and make it personal for you for a moment. Approaching seven years ago, it could be right around this time of the year, seven years ago, our senior pastor at the time, now our founding pastor, Paul Bennett, spoke to me in his car about his heart for Ange and I to take over leading the church in a few years' time. We were to begin a four-year private transition and then a a three-year public one. I remember being somewhat instantly nervous when he said it, somewhat shocked and a little bit excited at the opportunity. However, I felt completely unsure and uncertain of who I was or if I had the skills required to do the job and lead the church. There were things also in my life that needed sorted. There were major blind spots that I was living with and insecurities that meant the journey would not be smooth and it would not be easy. The easiest thing for me to do would have been to say, no, I'm called to lead youth. That's where I feel safe. That's where I feel I've got something to offer. It would have been easiest for me to say no and not face up to the things that I knew were in my life and perhaps no one else knew were in my life. I was worried about my insecurities, my self-doubt, my fear over the future. Yet I knew in my spirit that I had to say yes. I was now faced with a decision to trust God because I knew it was, uh, he was the only way that it could work for Ange and I. And so Ange and I and Paul and Jill entered this time of the unknown of transition of leadership. It wasn't just the four of us. There was a number of people on staff that would join in this difficult journey of transitioning the church to the next generation. I was nervous. I was unsure. It was unfamiliar. And I was uncertain. And it took trusting God for every single person involved, from decision-making to the actual handover. But the unknown can feel uncomfortable, and it is a place of the unfamiliar. But that is exactly why we cannot afford to put our trust in ourselves. We must throw our dependence, our confidence completely on God. Put our trust wholeheartedly in Him. So many people walk on their own abilities. What I can execute, what I can manage, what I can get through what I feel I can cope with. It's not what God is asking of his followers because I believe he is the God of so much more. I believe God has greater opportunities ahead for every single one of us. I believe God presents us many times with doorways of opportunity and I wonder how many times we have not walked through them because of fear or insecurity or some other reason that we didn't trust him completely. Then came the handover Sunday. It's now three years ago, or just about three years ago. We're faced again with that same doorway. We walked through the transition, but now it was gonna become real, and the doorway to leading the church was right before us. I knew it was a doorway of blessing and opportunity. 
I also knew it was a doorway that had, would lead to burden and some difficulties. I knew it would be unfamiliar. I knew it would be a challenge. I knew it would stretch every part of my life. But I also knew that I had to say yes again and put my trust wholeheartedly in God. And everybody gathered on that day and people laid hands on us and prayed and we smiled and it was great and it was exciting. But inside was turmoil because now from next week, we were responsible. And at that point, I didn't even know what you should preach when you take over a church. It's like, what do you say? I'm not going to stand up and say, well, thank goodness they handed over to us. Now we can do something really good. They'd led for 30 years an incredible church with an amazing legacy. And here we were facing a new beginning and thinking, what on earth do you preach? Does anyone remember what I preached on? It was a six-part series. Well, the staff, you should know. (laughs) It was called Lessons of a Learner. It was a recognition that, man, I've got to learn and I've got to trust God and we need to trust him completely. It's simply putting trust in God in the midst of what is not known and what we don't have understanding for. I don't understand how this will work. I still don't, but it is. I don't yet understand what it is that I have to offer. If you were around my life at that time, I had to go walking and say, God, you better show me why you chose me because I certainly can't see it looking in the mirror. I don't understand why God would choose me. And I, he does he not know the mess that's in my life? What is God up to? There were questions that were in the realm of beyond my own understanding that I, I couldn't understand all the reasons for and I would never understand. But I had to put my trust in him with all my heart. If we wait for total understanding, we may never ever fully know what it is to live on the edge in obedience and trust in God. Notice, though, that I knew it was God. I knew that he called me to do it, that it was the right next step for us. When you know, even without all the understanding, you can have confidence to trust him in the midst of the unfamiliar and the unknown. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I want to declare and prophesy doorways of opportunity for people in this church that we've never had before. I want to be a church that says we know what it is to step out into the unknown and the unfamiliar and to trust God, but not just on a corporate level, that God would give people opportunities to make huge inroads into community and society and to bring transformation in politics and everywhere else that they need to know about Jesus. It's always of opportunity, but then we would have the confidence to trust him and to step through. It will be unfamiliar. It'll be uncertain. When we felt God calling us to be a church that would plant other locations, it wasn't just plant one location. Are you hearing me? I felt God say, I'm calling you to reach out, stretch out, plant out, and plant other locations in order to reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. I was freaking out. I mean, we'd only just got to the point of leading the church, and the first vision God gave me was expansion and planting. And I'm saying to God, God, I'm uncertain about next week let alone having a vision like this that we'd plant other campuses. But we did walk in obedience to God. As a church, we stepped out to plant Selwyn Campus. There was so much we couldn't know. We didn't know. How are we going to pay for it? What's it going to cost? Who needs to go? Who needs to lead it? Who who needs to help bring structure to it? What does administration of two locations look like? We're going to have to step out and expand our staff without the money currently to pay 
their salary. We might have to do that for two years in order to get this thing going. We had so much that was unknown and uncertain, but we didn't step out because of unknown and uncertain. We stepped out of obedience and trust in God. We planned to the best of our ability. God, will this work? Would it work? We did everything we could, and then we had to trust him. See, trust is seen so much in our obedience. When we trust God, it is expressed through also being a trustworthy person. My life of trust in God will reflect also that I am trustworthy and obedient to him when he calls me into the unknown and the unfamiliar. Being obedient to God's word and direction means you become a trustworthy person. You become someone that God can trust. See, to trust God is great. It's really awesome. But to be trusted by God, that is cool. God, you, I trust you to help me lead the church. What's even cooler than that is that God trusts me to lead the church. It's cool, man. I love that. I'm sure it's the desire of each of us in this room who follow Jesus, that we would live lives that are trustworthy, to be people that God can trust. When we live obedient and trustworthy lives, we actually live lives of increase. When you become someone that God can trust, the end result is that God increases your opportunities that he puts before you. Like we see portrayed in the parable of the shrewd manager that Jesus told, the context to this is worldly wealth. Luke 16 verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. The level to which God can trust you increases as you show faithfulness to him and walk in obedience to his word. I wanna have a quick look at a couple of people this morning. I'm way over time because I've said a lot extra this morning. But I wanna have a quick look at a couple of men in the Bible who showed themselves to be trustworthy and obedient to the word of God. The first man is Abraham. Genesis 22 Verse one and two says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. God had given a lot of promises to Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Who would like that test? I mean, talk about outside of one's understanding. How on earth could God ask such a thing of Abraham, particularly to ask him to sacrifice his son who was actually a gift from God and a fulfillment of a promise that God had given him, born to Abraham and Sarah in old age, and God gives him this test. Take your son to a place I will show you and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. I'm not sure that's how God speaks, but the very gift and promise God had given Abraham He was now asking him to sacrifice on the altar. What it does test is the motive of a heart, is the gift of God and the fulfillment of promise for my own purpose, or is it for God's purposes? Are we willing to lay down the very gift that God gave us and the promise that he fulfilled? Are we willing to surrender that to God? Well, Abraham was put in this very test. God, it's the gift, the son you promised me. And God asks him to sacrifice. Really, God? A son? 
This must have been beyond Abraham's understanding. Surely Abraham couldn't get his head around what God was asking. We know the story is a foreshadow of the sacrifice where God would give his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of humankind. But Abraham clearly trusted God with all his heart because without hesitation, Abraham obeys God and sets off. Genesis 22, verse three to five. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Wow, Abraham. What kind of trust does it take to walk through that doorway of obedience? But Abraham was given the role, we know this, as father of nations. The name Abraham meant in Hebrew, father of a multitude. And God would go on to say that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. But notice the kind of trust that Abraham shows in verse five. If we can have that up. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. He doesn't say, he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and I will come back to you. Notice the difference. He says, we will come back to you. There's a confident trust in God in Abraham's heart. He knows that God will provide the sacrifice and all he does is walk in obedience to God. I hadn't seen that before till my wonderful wife pointed it out. Always the smart one in our family. Abraham was confident that both of them would come back. He trusted God, but he clearly also knew God. The more you know God, the more confident trust you have in him and the more trustworthy you are in obedience to him. Want to grow in your trust with God? Grow in your relationship with him. It's interesting when his son Isaac begins to feel things are possibly going wrong. He says to his father, where is the lamb for the offering? Abraham's response was, God will provide the lamb for the offering son. And right before he sacrifices his own son, God steps in and provides a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. It's not like it was there when they walked up and he's like, I feel I can put away the knife and the matches. No, it wasn't until he was willing to sacrifice his son. God had seen him go all in in his trust with him that God provides the way out. What about Noah? Did he trust God? Noah is proof that one man can make a difference. One person can make a difference. He made a difference for all of humankind. If we will simply trust God and be trustworthy, we can make a difference. Noah built an ark because God had told him he was going to flood the earth. Noah would have been a laughing stock to all of the people of his time. But I love what the word says about Noah. But he was found to be a righteous man, a blameless man among the people of his time. He was known to have walked faithfully with God. Who would like that said about them? 
When God, from his eternal perspective, looks on the earth and is thinking, it's time to clean up my mess and wipe out all of humankind, Noah is found as a righteous man who walked faithfully with God and it saves all of humanity. The Bible said he did everything God commanded him to in relation to building the ark. He didn't do some things. He did everything that God had commanded. In other words, he trusted God completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Noah teaches us the power of obedient trust. His doorway of obedience led to blessing and humankind was saved because of him. I wonder this morning, if we live lives that are trustworthy, but it begins in the small. You don't jump straight into building an ark. You don't move to sacrificing the gift or the promise from God. It starts in the small. It starts with the faithful. It starts with the little. Surely Noah's first test was not an ark to be built. If he was found trustworthy and faithful before God, God knew he had a track record of being trustworthy. And I want to be a person who has a track record with God that I'm trustworthy in every area of my life. I'm not perfect. I've got a long way to go, but I start with the small things. And when I start with the small things, God can trust me with even more. Am I trustworthy in the little things? Am I trustworthy in the way that I serve people? In my finance, am I trustworthy? In my relationships, am I faithful and full of love? Am I honest when dealing with others? Do I always tell the truth? Am I trustworthy with my words? What comes out of my mouth? Am I aware of what I'm saying and what I'm speaking over other people's lives? What area of my life needs the attention of my obedience? I wonder this morning, what area of your life needs the attention of your obedience? What is something that God is putting his finger on in your heart and in your life? This is come on, move to a place of obedience. Move through this thing and start trusting me with all your heart. What's an area we need to begin to surrender to God in? See, when I can get away from the limitation of my own understanding and trust God in it. I move to a place where God can trust me more. My understanding is bringing great limitation into my life. The vision that God's put in my heart, I have no understanding for, not in earthly terms anyway. I've got to move beyond my own understanding. I've got to start not with that big vision, but start in the small things, step after step, faithful and trustworthy. To begin to increase my trust in God and to open my life up to Him to be more and more trustworthy. What is it for you today? Is it watching the hurtful words that come out of your mouth? Is it saying, God, I'm aware I say some things I shouldn't say, and I want to be a trustworthy person. When people walk into a room and I'm in it, they're not afraid of what I might say or how I might respond. As a lead pastor, that's my heart. I I hope people don't enter a room that I'm a part of and think, oh no, what's he going to say today? Can I be trustworthy with the words that come out of my mouth? See, when we begin to be found trustworthy in God, He begins to trust us with more and increase begins to happen. It's why I can say with confidence, I believe that God will bring the opportunity, doors of opportunity to us that we haven't experienced before. If we will keep being trustworthy and faithful, if we'll keep saying yes, if we'll keep being obedient to God, if we'll live lives that say, God, if you speak, 
we'll walk in obedience to it. God can open great doorways of opportunity. And I don't want people of Life Church to be a part of a church where they go, we got good opportunities corporately. And we stepped into those and it was cool to be a part of it. There's a corporate doorway for sure, but I believe for you, there's also a personal doorway of opportunity, but it can begin in the small things. What do you need to adjust right now in your heart? Say, God, I'm gonna work at being trustworthy in this area of my life. If you can be trusted in little things, God will be able to trust you with much. Maybe it's generosity. Maybe that's an area I struggle with. You don't start being generous with more than you have right now available to you, but you start somewhere. I say, I haven't got much to be generous with. Yes, you have. You've got words you can speak of encouragement. You've got a body with the ability to serve someone else. You've got a way to stand with someone in the midst of pain and struggle. You might have a little bit of finance. I don't know what it is, but can you be a generous person? It's not just talking about money or giving away money. It's a lifestyle. It's who I am. I'm generous with everything that God has given me, but you don't start by giving everything. You start with faithful steps in the little. Can I say one encouraging word today that'll lead me to live a life of being an encourager? day after day. What is it that you can make a small step in that says to God, God, I'm a person who wants to be faithful and trustworthy. And I'm going to take one step today and another step tomorrow. And maybe it's in the small and it will lead to bigger things. Doorways of opportunity. Let's pray. I'm way over time. Why don't you just post yourself in a place of prayer? as we just again ask the Holy Spirit to invade our hearts and lives. If we're gonna be able to do the very things that I've just exhorted you to do, it's gonna take more than just a strong will. It's about proximity to God. It's about a relationship with Him. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us and out of our lives, blessing others. So we need an increase of the Holy Spirit, His touch in our lives. We need an increase of awareness of the presence of God that is with us day to day, not just on Sunday. We need the Holy Spirit to make it clear that He's opened a doorway of opportunity for us. The only way we'll ever be bold or confident or strong enough to walk through a doorway of opportunity is if we know God is in the midst of it. That our confidence isn't in ourselves, our confidence is put on Him that we'd throw our complete dependence on Him. Even now, I feel like for some of us in this room, there are opportunities coming our way. And when you look at it, it's unfamiliar, you're uncertain. But you know, that's the place that God has us live is in that the edge of even the unknown, that we don't see all the answers, but we have to put our trust completely in Him. Holy Spirit, right now, would you cause a boldness in our hearts? This would be more than just preaching this morning. That there'll be some lessons here for us, Holy Spirit, that you'd move us to a place of change, to have confidence and strength to make a decision, to put our trust completely in you. God, each of us in this room have areas of strength and areas of weakness. But we continue to desire to be people who are trustworthy, be people who continue to trust you, and walk in continued surrender and obedience to Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and we say, have your way in us. Reveal in us areas of our lives that need the attention of our minds and the obedience of our hearts. 
thank you for the continuing journey of transformation that each one of us is on. Father, this morning, would you fill us to overflowing again? Lord, there are people here this morning who are walking in lack. They feel dry and it feels difficult. Well, Holy Spirit, would you fill us to a point of overflowing again this morning? For those who right now are struggling, it's hard. Even following God is difficult in the culture I'm a part of. My walk with God is dry. Holy Spirit, would you light the fire again inside of them? Would you refresh them? In Jesus' name. Lord, we want to be filled to the point where it spills out of us naturally to other people's lives. Strengthen us for consistent, uncompromising love that will keep showing up day after day. We're about to sing a song just here in a moment. Basically, I don't know how the lines go, but it's something along the lines of, I need more of you. I want more of you. Something like that. Is that right? There's some, there's some line in there. I can't quite get my head around it, but it, it can seem an unusual line when you sing it. All I want is more of you. I don't know how it goes. I'm not enough unless you come. Thank you, Josh. That's the line. I'm not enough unless you come. What does that mean? I don't know the intent of how that was written, but I know that I need God to come and show up in my life day after day if my life is going to reflect His and be a blessing to someone else. I will not be enough on my own. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough to give unless he comes again and fills my life. It's a day after day relationship with God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to show up day after day, not once a week, day after day, that our lives might be a blessing to other lives. Why don't we stand together? We're gonna sing this song. Let this be a faith moment for you. Let this be a moment where you say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna make a step. I'm gonna walk. Let the Holy Spirit just bring something into your mind and into your heart so I can make a change be a trustworthy person. God bless you as we sing.